out there in podcast land. You have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 83. So I don't bury the lead as I tend to do. Our guest today, Vernon, Big E Lewis, LFA heavyweight, eight and four, smashing machine. He's a wonderful guy. He were, uh, he's fighting for the LFA title on July the 30th on UFC Fight Pass. I can't wait. You guys are here. Super stoked. Really interesting guy. Really fun interview. So our schedule is going to be as follows. We are going to have our full breakdown of UFC 264 from last night. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Of course, Drea's world-famous drop of the night. We are going to have our main card picks for next week's UFC Vegas 31. A really fun Q&A session with the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Vernon Big E. Lewis is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. It is awesome. So stoked that he came on. So definitely go ahead, everybody. Get your swim trunks and your flippy floppies on, and we are going to dive right in. Our UFC 264 prelims, we started off with Zalagas Zumagulov versus Jerome Rivera. This one was Jerome coming out pretty hot, throwing out some long leg kicks and some high kicks. He was like, literally like almost like a foot taller than Zumagulov. So he was using his range pretty well. And then Zuma Gulov hit him with an overhand left that kind of rocked him. Uh, Jerome kind of dove for a kind of like a panic uh, double leg, tried getting the takedown. It was not going to happen. The the wherewithal of Zuma Gulov to put him in a choke. It was kind of like it was kind of like a Darce neck crank and guillotine standing against cage all in one. Incredible submission for Zuma Gulov. Submission in the first round over Jerome Rivera and 125 pounds. Moving into the second fight, which was our middleweight fight between Brad Tavares and Omari Akamedov. This one was Brad Tavares looking as better, better than I have seen him look in forever. He looked so crisp, so sharp. He was so hard to take down. Um, I gave Omari the first round. There was some nice exchanges, but... You know, Omar, I gave the first round, but then the second two, I gave to Tavares for his striking, for his his ability to withstand takedown. Uh, I'm very surprised that the judges made it a split decision because I thought Tavares clearly won rounds two and three. So, But the right guy won Brad Tavares over Omari Akamedov by split decision. Moving into 125 pounds, we had Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Now, I'm no Jessica I fan, right? Uh, but she was doing a really good job of pressuring. She was landing some good shots. The entirety of the fight was mostly on the feet. Jessica I and Jennifer Maya were both throwing a lot. There wasn't like too much devastating stuff. The biggest move or land of the fight was when their heads collided and Jessica I had a giant cut open up right in the middle of her forehead. Uh, they ended up giving the split decision Jennifer Maya. One judge had it 30 to 27. I don't. I, did, I can't believe he didn't give Jessica I at least one round of that fight but yeah it was very close so you know i'm not going to bitch about it uh, uh, jennifer maya gets the unanimous decision over Jessica guy at 125 pounds moving into 145 we had oh no we're not there yet because they, they put it out of order so i did <laughs> next we had driscus dupesis or dupe oh my goodness duplessis versus trevin giles this one was some early kicks for i'm calling them ddp and old school wrestling fans will Appreciate that. So for DDP, uh, you know, he he was throwing kind of rushing in attacks, whereas Trevin Giles was trying to stay on the outside, kind of using like the, for those who watch Bellator, kind of the MVP kind of style, kind of the Wonder Boy wide karate stands, arms down, trying to look at a counter and uh, rush in. Well, Trevin Giles was going in for a 
uh, a combination, and then DDP hit him with a straight right, which dropped him. This was in the second round, and he went right down with him, got a couple more ground and pound shots, and the fight was over. So DDP gets the TKO in the second over Trevin Giles. Now, moving into the fifth fight, we had Ryan Hall versus Ilya Tapuria at 145. This one was not, I don't know, man. This was a weird fight. I mean, Ryan Hall is always, you know, unique and eccentric and weird, right? The way he fights and his style and his demeanor and everything are really different from almost everybody else on the roster. But he just kept on looking for, like, Imanari rolls and uh, grabbing the leg. And he was doing some, he had a couple of nice spinning back kicks. I'll give him that. But Tapuria really stayed the course, kept putting the pressure on. Uh, once Ryan Hall tried for uh, one of his rolls, Tapuria hit him with a shot and then followed up with some really nice ground and pound that was devastating, which put Hall out. So he got the GMP win in the very first round by TKO for Ilya Tapuria over Ryan Hall. All right, moving into our sixth fight, we had, oh, man, the homie Nico Price and Michelle Pajeda. This one had a whole lot of fun in it, right? Uh, the first couple rounds, you know, you got to give to Pajeda. He, he was he was more aggressive. He was landing harder. Nico was, of course, right in the mix, as he always is, trying to put pressure on, trying to fight, trying to throw leg kicks, front kicks, punches. Michelle Pajeda at one point had a, had some nice clinch work where he was really controlling Nico. And then we all saw the when Nico was on his back, Michelle did the backflip onto him and then went right to pass and really got on top like full mount. It was crazy. The third round was all Nico Price. Michelle Pajeda was clearly tired. Nico Price, you can't keep this guy down. He brought the, the entire third, pushing forward, throwing kicks, punches, elbows, everything, trying to get Michelle Pajeda out of there. It ended up being a clear-cut two rounds to one Michelle Pajeda uh, decision over Nico Price at 170. But, man, Nico did a hell of a job. Boy, he's always fun to watch. Moving into fight number seven, our future prelim, we had Carlos the Natural Born Killer Condit versus Max Payne Griffin. Both really cool nicknames, just by the way. Sidebar, those are awesome. <laughs> uh, Max really came out fast. He landed really hard leg kicks early. Carlos seemed to need the entire first round to try to start to get his kind of his wherewithal, get his bearings, which you don't expect out of a veteran like him. Uh, in the second round, Carlos did a much better job of connecting. He landed with a couple really nice jabs and straight straight twos. Um, he had that very interesting takedown attempt where it was kind of like the rush and then trying to back trip. But again, this one was Carlos had some good spots, but Max Griffin was good all the way throughout. So yeah, it was the right decision. Max Griffin got the unanimous decision over Carlos, the natural born killer condit, uh, 170 pounds. Moving into the main card, we had Sugar Sean O'Malley versus very late replacement and unknown Chris Mutino. <sighs> what do you what to say about this? So we've got two questions about this in the Rhino gang uh, Q and a session later, basically Mutino was above his head, but he, he showed so much heart, man. He showed so much determination. He was moving forward. O'Malley was hitting with everything, spinning back kicks, punches, I, I just everything clean. And Mutino was still moving forward like a little Terminator, dude. It was, it was really impressive. Yes. Sean, of course, who's a much better fighter, much above Chris, as far as talent level and whatnot. But Chris is the one who really came out smelling like a rose to me uh, for putting on such a display of heart and of grit and of toughness and of fortitude. I was so impressed with him. Herb Dean decided to stop it with about 30 seconds left. And yeah, O'Malley had been laying on it, laying it on him the entire fight. But I don't know, man. We got, like I said, we, I talk about this a little bit later, but I would have given the kid 
you know, the time to finish, most likely finish out, get the decision. I don't know. But yeah, really tough, really tough kid. And I hope to see him back soon. Sugar Sean O'Malley should have got him out of there much earlier, but TKO late third for Sean O'Malley at 135 pounds. Moving into Yanakuta Sky versus Irene Aldana. This was one way traffic. Now, again, I don't, I don't, I've told you guys this before. I don't like to give too much praise to people who miss weight, especially if people miss weight egregiously, right? And she did. I read Aldana did. So I'm not going to talk too much about it. She got the very good win. Uh, got the first round TKO via ground and pound over Yannick Kuyaskaya. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Moving into the, oh, yes, moving into this. <laughs> Ty Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Boo, Greg Hardy, boo. Ty Tuivasa was the hero we all needed. Uh, Greg Hardy was throwing a combination in the first. He seemed to kind of stagger Ty a little bit. Ty's left leg kind of went out from underneath him for a second. And then Hardy tried to throw like a, I don't know, like a leaping left hook of sorts. Ty gets out of the way, throws a booming left hand, which kind of hit him more wrist to face of Greg Hardy knocked him down, jumped on him. I wouldn't have minded a couple more shots landing on the CNB, but referee jumped in, pulled him off. TKO in the first round early for Tai Tuivasa over Greg. Boo, boo, Greg Hardy, boo. Awesome, awesome. Shoeys all around for everybody. Thank you, Ty. <laughs> Moving at 170 pounds, one of my most favorite fighters in the world, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns was... Now, I'm not going to use the word dominant, but when they got into grappling exchanges, he did a really good job of controlling Wonder Boy, of implementing his will against Wonder Boy, showing that he was stronger. When they were separated, Wonder Boy did a good job of landing kicks, um, a few punches, nothing really devastating. He did that one really nice high kick later in the fight, but for the most part, it was Gilbert Burns. There, there was a lot of um, lulls in this fight, which are hard to watch. I understand that. I, I do. Um, Wonder Boy is not known for really being like a ferocious come forward guy. And Gilbert Burns was definitely cautious in this one. So there were a lot of laws, but when they did get together, it was fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with the decision. It should have been Gilbert Burns unanimous decision, which is what the refer what the uh, judges had it as. So Wonder Boy takes the loss in this one. Gilbert Burns gets the Gilbert Burns gets the win. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see what's next. I, again, I'm still a Jai-Hugin Wonderboy fan. I hope he'll be back soon. Oh, boy, now we're into the much-talked-about, much-looked-at, much-covered fight between Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, and Conor McGregor. Wow. Uh, it, you know, it only lasted one round, but, man, a lot happened in that round, right? Like, Dustin Poirier, was, to me, was outlanding Connor for sure. Connor, you know, got him into that submission hold, was trying to slap on that guillotine. Uh, he had it pretty close, it looked like, for, uh, for a minute there. Dustin was able to get out. They started exchanging more. Again, Dustin was getting the better on the feet. Connor had some good shots, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and then, really very strange, towards the almost at the very end of the first round, Connor threw a kick. It seemed to bounce off of Dustin's right elbow. He stepped back. He took a couple more steps, and then his left leg just buckled. His his left ankle seemed to crack, be crack in half. Is what it looked like. I, I I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that's certainly what it looked like to me. So he falls down. Dustin, you know, runs in to try to land a couple more shots. Referee stops fight. 
really anticlimactic, strange, unusual, one of those weird things that happens in our crazy, wacky world. That's why I was called the crazy, wacky world of MMA. It's just one of those things. So, yeah, Conor McGregor loses by TKO in the first round of Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Lots of uh, jibber-jabber afterwards from both guys. Um, even Jolie, <laughs> even Jolie Poirier. I didn't see it last night when I saw it today. She was flipping Conor off while he was on the ground. I hate seeing any fight like that, any fight at all, really ending by injury. So, yeah, pretty, you know, I took the win out of a lot of our sales, and we sure would have liked to see them go on, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles at times. So, yeah, man, that was... Uh, that was our main event from UFC 264. All righty, fight fam. Let's go ahead and get into our world-famous Drea's drop of the night. Drea, what'd you land on for last night's extravaganza of knockdowns, knockouts, KOs, and whatnot? What did you land on? I think I got a sneaking suspicion, I know. But let the people know what you pick for your world-famous Drea's drop of the night. I'm so happy, first of all, to announce this week's drop of the night. Uh, and if there's anyone on this card I wanted to be KO'd, it was this guy. So, uh, tied to Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Scary fight. We all knew it was going to end in a KO, uh, and that it did. And the first round, they began throwing bombs. Hardy landed a right that wobbled tight, but he stepped back. He evaded Hardy's left and threw a bomb of a left that just connected to Hardy's eye and dropped him, um, ending in a in a KO. So... Um, last night, Tai Tuvasa, you did God's work, and yes, I thank you, and you have received Dre's drop of the night. Hell yeah! You know what's funny? I was messaging with Janae, and I said, I said, I it was before they walked out. I was like, dude, I was like, all I need is Tai Tuivasa for however long it takes to knock <laughs> knock him out, and I will consider myself for at least the rest of the evening Australian with tattoos on my sides and I will drink beer out of random people's footwear if I have to, as long as Ty gets this win. <laughs> and lo and behold, right. he did. And I, it's so awesome. Oh my God. Quickly. That exactly, too. <laughs> yeah. That was exactly what we all wanted, needed and otherwise. So yes, way to go, Ty. Bam, bam, Tui Vasa. We love you, brother. All right, Dre, let's go ahead and do our picks for UFC Vegas 31. I'll let you go ahead and get us started with uh, your pick for Mateus Gamrot versus Jeremy Stevens. I I kind of went back and forth on this, but I think I'm going Jeremy Stevens. Uh, I think he's going to take it in round two with a TKO finish over Gamrot. Interesting. I've got Mateus Gamrot over Jeremy Stevens by a TKO in the third. So one, right okay. off the bat, we are at odds with each other for tomorrow, next week's picks, Drea. Next, we've got Rodolfo okay. Vieira. Versus Dustin Stolfutz. I've got a arm triangle in the second for Rodolfo Vieira in that one. That's my very specific call. Arm triangle submission in the second over Dustin. What's your call on that one at 185 pounds, Drea? I agree 100%. I'm also going Vieira uh, round two sub. I didn't write down a specific sub, but the one you chose sounds good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for our co-main okay. event... Go ahead, go ahead. Go you, you want to go? Yeah, you want you go ahead and pick. <laughs> go ahead for our. Uh, all right, I'll go ahead then. So our co-main event at 135 pounds is going to be Marion Renault versus Misha Tate. I think Misha Tate is has been out of the cage for too long. I think the ring rust will be a real thing. So I've got Marion Renault winning by unanimous decision over Misha Tate in this one. What about you? I'm actually going the opposite. I I think Misha Tate takes it. Um, 
and I was going unanimous decision for Tate. All righty. Moving into our main event, we have Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises. I've got an armbar in the third round win for Islam Makachev. Armbar in the third round at 155 pounds. What's your call on that one, future play, Andrea? I am going Makachev as well, but I think it's going to go the full fight, and I think he takes it uh, with the unanimous decision. So UD5 for Makachev and that one from feature play, Adrea? Mm-hmm. All right. Just before we get into it last night, Drea, you know, it's been a while since you and I have <laughs> d- directly head-to-head competed in our picks. So with what, our picks? Just what, yeah, what happened last night? I can't quite remember. Oh, that's right. I beat one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so funny because anytime we beat each other, it's usually by one. You know what I mean? But yeah. we both make it sound like we kick each other's ass. <laughs> I know. Well, I literally beat three, you by one. You only have, yeah, when you only have three different picks, I mean, it's <laughs> and you only beat by one. It doesn't matter if it was by one or by five. It, it's, it's a win. <laughs> it's bragging rights and it's shit talking for the two of us. So, yes, I got you by 100%. one last night. <laughs> but so yeah we'll see how we do next week versus each other so now let's go ahead and get into our twitter questions and our first one comes from ty fly guy ty what do you got this week for us dude what is the most anticlimactic ending in your opinion in mma history to me dude it was mcgregor aldo bro <laughs> so there was months and i mean months of promotion over multi-countries, media tours, incessant banter, countless vignettes of them, press conferences. It was an insane buildup, dude. I think the UFC spent more money on that buildup than any other fight before or since, to be honest, because literally it was multi-countries where they did stuff. But And then the first punch landed in the first round, stops the fight. Oh, dude, Jose got put out. <laughs> That, my friend, Ty, was super anticlimactic for me. I was so ready for, like, an in-cage war between them. You know, there was just so much buildup, and then it really fell flat. And I mean that in both ways. Like, it ended really fast, and Jose's face hit the mat very flat. So that was the most anticlimactic. Yeah, dude. So that was the most anticlimactic for me. So, yeah, big bummer on that one. Of course, last night was a bummer, too, but I never liked seeing a fight end on injury, but... Yeah, I got to go with McGregor Aldo, man. That's that's that one for me. So thank you very much, Ty. All right, let's move into our second one. Our girl, APB. APB, what do you got this week, my friend? What did you think about Herb Dean's weird stoppage? What are your thoughts on Coutinho's debut? I was so impressed by his heart and durability. He reminded me of Nate Diaz when he pointed and laughed at O'Malley a few times. He definitely made O'Malley work for that win. Just like you, homie, I was super impressed with the heart and toughness that Chris showed in there last night. Like, I can only speak for myself, but it, like, if I'm Chris, I want to finish the fight. I, I know that Herb Dean probably had it in his mind of, you know, this is this has gone too far. But I mean, there's 30 seconds left. He's already taken so much damage, but he's still moving forward. He's still trying. I know he was getting worked, right? We all saw it. But just for me, I just put myself in his shoes as like, and not his being Herb, his being Chris. I would want to finish the fight. Let me go out, you know, with the decision instead of the late TKO stoppage. So that'd be, for, you know, that's what I would want. Um, I hope they give Chris a much more skill set appropriate opponent for his next UFC appearance because he's really earned that. O'Malley was far and away above him, right? We all saw it. We all knew it going in. Give give Chris Moutinho a prelim fight with somebody around his skill level, and let's see what he can really do against somebody who's around his level. Let him get 
you know, some real time in there, let him move up the ladder, you know, at a normal rate. And let's see what he can do from there. I think the kid has a lot of skills. He has a lot of heart, obviously, and toughness. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to him. I know he made a lot of fans last night. So, very cool question. Absolutely, APB. And as we always know, Dre, if you want to join with me, you can't Mm -hmm. be a wuss. Can't be a wuss. And have a puss. Have a puss. (laughs) Well, we'll have to work on our synchronization on that a little bit. But... I know our third question comes from the homie Rage of Sweet Potato. RSP, what do you got this week, dude? First off, can we just take a moment to all appreciate the good work that Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa did last night? Yes, yes we can. can. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I genuinely don't know if there has ever been a more satisfying series of events in a heavyweight fight. The shoey was amazing. The KO was absolutely brilliant. And the walkout music was utterly perfect. Walking out to the Spice Girls before kicking Greg Hardy's ass was beautiful. So, what are your, some of your favorite walkout songs and fighter entrances, boxing or MMA? Definitely, dude. So, number one, everybody knows I'm a huge Fedor stand and always have been. But, man, if you watch Fedor's walkouts, it's almost like the MMA equivalent of pro wrestling's Undertaker. I mean, it is chilling. The way that the music is like this really like old school music and he comes out and he's got that stoic look and those cold dead eyes and behind him on the Jumbotron would be like winter, right? <laughs> it was just this whole scene. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it was gnarly. I used to love Fedor coming out, dude. It was so good. Um, I thought the I thought the sexy Yama where he would do the kind of the synchronized bowing with his team to time to say goodbye was very interesting and unique. Michael Bisping coming out to blur song song two was always really cool, especially when he was in England because they would just lose their shit over there. And it was awesome. Uh, Dave Rickles, dude, with the animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Um, the other scariest one would be Mike Tyson when he would walk out to DMX and you would just, you know, he'd wear that towel and he'd have that look on his face and DMX would be blaring in the background. You're like, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> right. Um, BJ Penn walking out to their traditional Hawaiian music, then followed by like Gnarls Barkley, boom, coming in with crazy. That was a pretty cool walkout. And then lastly, and there's many more that I like, but I wanted to keep this, you know, the list quasi short. Last one for me would be Nate Marquardt, dude. He used to come out to Old Fortuna, which is one of my favorite songs ever. I think it's a beautiful song. And I think it's a badass song and the way that it builds and whatnot. Early in his career, he would walk out. I'd be like, oh, cool, it's old Fortuna. But they wouldn't be playing it at the right time. Like, they wouldn't be playing it at the right. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't synced up correctly to where it built up with his walkout and the walk-in. So, yeah. that. But once they got it down pat where he wasn't playing just, like, the long, slow intro and they got right into the fast part, I really liked Nate Marquardt uh, coming out to old Fortuna. So, if you guys don't know what old Fortuna is, if you've seen the original Jackass movie, that's the song that's playing when they're going down the street in the giant shopping cart. So that's, that's all Fortuna. <laughs> so that's a great question. RSP. Thank you very much, my friend. All right, Dre. I know our last one comes from the homie, Brian from the Holman sale. Brian, what do you got this week, dude? After seeing Connor's injury last night, I wondered if you, I know have ever experienced a really terrible injury in your fighting career. Oh, no, fortunately, no, dude, not in my fighting career. I mean, I did like growing up, like, in basketball and football and stuff like broken bones and whatnot. But as far as, and I'm really lucky as far as my really forever long, seemingly 
pro uh, fighting career. I got my nose broken a couple times, right? And then just normal wear and tear, some sprained wrists. Uh, I tore my shoulder pretty good one time, but it did not require surgery. Just a couple of months of rest and, you know, physical therapy and whatnot. So nothing catastrophic, thankfully. And that made me think about, like, besides Connor, you know, there's been several, like, pretty incredible injuries just off the top of my head. Noguera, right? Well, Frank Mir did it to two guys. <laughs> he broke Noguera's arm, broke Tim Sylvia's arm, right? Of course, Anderson and Chris with their terrible leg breaks, right? And then now Connor's kind of on that list as you. But the thing about MMA is, like, there's a lot more body parts that you're going to injure, right? Or you're more prone to be injured with the submissions, with the kicks, with the, you know, the lower extremities than in boxing. Boxing, we take so much more head trauma and head damage and facial lacerations and whatnot. But as far as like the whole body, MMA is just, oof, you got everything from your toes to your head. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that can be hurt or hit. So it's a whole, it's a much bigger landscape of things that can be injured. Drea, you were a Taekwondo person for a long time. Did you suffer any catastrophic injuries in your day? Uh, nothing catastrophic. Never had any broken bones. Um, did have a couple sprained ankles. Uh, <laughs> that was just from throwing kicks and not landing uh, properly. But yeah, no, never had any any catastrophic injuries. All of my comp competing was with um, headgear and stuff like tournament style fighting. So nothing too bad. So that's real good. So the CSWR's crew has been almost unscathed as far as catastrophic injuries, which let's hope that continues for the next 30 or 40 years, my friend. So Drea, we have knocked out our, all of our segments for today. You kicked its ass as you always do. We really appreciate you coming on and we look forward to having you back next week for our coverage of UFC Vegas 31 and whatever else we feel like covering on next week's episode. <laughs> All right. See you next week. All righty, fight fam. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. I know our first one comes from the big homie, Jim Soon. Jim, what do you got this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Riding on around the gang. Hope you all doing well. Um, pretty good fight card. Uh, somebody just asked me online there what I rated, and I, I saw it like eight, eight and a half-ish, something like that. Um, I'm not going to sit here and gloat about fucking Dustin, even though I should, because Connor deserves every fucking little bit he gets, a fucking piece of shit. But that's another subject. I have a question for you this week. What's next for Ryan Hall? Is he UFC-worthy? That was kind of a weird fucking shit, man. I don't know. What do you think is next for him, man? That's my question for you. Keep up the great work. We love the podcast. You know it's always 420, kids. Peace. Man, that was not a good showing from Ryan Hall last night, dude. Everyone... I saw online saying, cut him. He sucks. He's a one trick pony. That's a little, that's a little harsh right now, dude. He just had a bad performance. That's most likely not happening. You got to remember he's four and one in the UFC. He has wins over like names like gray Maynard, Darren, the damage Elkins and BJ Penn, dude. He's definitely, you know, he definitely has to slide back some after last night's performance, but I think it's a little premature to say cut him. Um, he obviously has to be able to perform better on the feet than he did last night. So when you asked him, like who I thought would be a good matchup for his next fight, I looked at a lot of guys at 145. I'm going to go with Bruce Leroy, dude. Alex Caceres. Alex has great movement, is solid everywhere. And if Ryan was to do the same shit that he did last night, which was just constantly 
throwing out, you know, trying to dive at legs and whatnot, like without doing hardly any exchanging on the feet and Alex beats him, then I'm, I'm willing to listen to the talk of get rid of him. He's, he's not meant for the UFC, so on and so forth. But as of right now, he's got to at least have another fight. I think someone like Alex Caceres would be a perfect matchup. He's like 10, 10 or so spots below him on the, uh, on the rankings board. So yeah, let's let those two fight next. And Alex is coming off of a nice win. So yeah, let's put those two together and see what happens. So Jim Asun, thank you so much, my dear friend. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our next one coming from our boy juice from the friendly sparring pod juice. What do you got this week, dude? What's up, Rhino? It's your boy juice from the friendly sparring podcast. My question for you this week is about Chris Moutinho absolute savage coming in on short notice to fight Sean O'Malley. Uh, apparently he was in camp for a fight, but he wasn't in camp for Sean O'Malley and it surely wasn't uh, for the UFC. So uh, massive respect to him for almost going the distance. I mean, the stoppage itself, uh, in my opinion, was a bad stoppage. It was, a, it was early, but let's be fair. It was a, it was a prolonged beating. So I'm not going to be crying rivers about it, but I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on on the stoppage if there aren't too many questions about it. But otherwise, reportedly he got. I think they got the fight of the night bonus. I, I, I guess he walked away with 75k. Is that enough to take a beating like that from Sean O'Malley? And if not, what is? Obviously, we can't expect him to get a huge payday on on his debut. But come on, dude, we need better. So I'm torn on this one, buddy. And I talked about a little bit with uh, APB's question. On the one hand, even with like 30 seconds left, another O'Malley flurry or strike could have done real, you know, more real damage to him. And he'd already taken so much. But then like the other side of it is the fighter in me would be so pissed off if I had already gone through all of that just to have the fight get stopped with such a short time left and not let me finish, right? So yeah, there's there. I'm kind of torn on that, but I I can see it from both sides. I again, if it's me, I want to go the distance. Um, as far as fighter pay, short notice and a 15 minute beating, dude, is it worth 75k? I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. I can speak for myself. 75,000 is a lot of money, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if it was me, I would sure do it, dude. So obviously, I'm for UFC fighters getting more. Uh, compensation from the company's profits, right? Getting more money, getting a bigger check every week. But seventy-five thousand for a debut, even though it was against Sean O'Malley and he did take a beating. I think seventy-five thousand is a whole lot more than the vast majority of anybody else who debuts in the UFC gets. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I think it's all right. I guess you know, it, it's hard for me to say, but the the, the longer short of it is, would I take that for a fifteen-minute beating? You bet your bottom dollar, I would, bro. So, Juice, thank you very much, my dear homie. Make sure you check out the friendly spot. Pod. All right, our next one actually it's like a two, almost a two-parter, but our our next question comes from the homie D Crons. D Crons, what do you got this week, dude? Rhino, my bro, what's going on, man? Uh, that was a fun, interesting night of fights. It'll be really interesting to see what Connor does next, if anything, other than run his mouth. Um, I just wanted to ask you about. Listen, I know how myself and the OG big homie Jim <laughs> feel about this. Uh, the UFC and USADA changing stances on marijuana and fighters popping for THC. Do you think they're going to overturn some, you know, fights that have been lost? Uh, how is it going to change the landscape and how much happier is this going to make people? Anyway, love you, bro. Can't wait to listen to the show. Rhino gang, gang, gang. Uh, I also had to add, 
Wow, often imitated, never duplicated, copywritten by the big homie, Jim Asun. It's always 420, kids. Peace. Ha <laughs> yeah. So do I think that the marijuana rule change is going to have any effect on like previous situations retroactively? No, homie, I don't think so at all. I think that would take so much time, money, and effort. I just can't see it happening. Uh, you know, it was the rule in place at the time. So that's why they were able to, you know, overturn wins and not let fights happen and so on and so forth. But yeah, moving forward, I think it's a good thing. And clearly because so many fighters I prefer to use marijuana as a pain reliever and for whatever reasons else they use it for. So I've got no problem with that whatsoever. And then, yeah, but I don't see anything retroactively happening for previous situations. That's that. And then part two, that was an excellent Jim Assoon impression. <laughs> like way better than I could ever do. So dude, very cool. D Kranz, thank you so much, my friend. We really appreciate you, brother. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Vernon Big E Lewis after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, K&RCustomDesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. We've got ourselves a very special guest. Once again, we are so stoked to have him on. Joining us today, fighting for the LFA Heavyweight Championship of the World on July 30th for LFA 113, my dude, Vernon Big E. Lewis. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. No, thank you for uh, interviewing me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure, man. Oh, the pleasure is absolutely all on this end. We are super stoked to have you on, dude. Now, everybody out there listening, Vernon, knows that I was a heavyweight professional fighter for 12 years. And heavyweights are my, that's my jam. That's my division. You're my guys. This is my, this is my fraternity. I am so super stoked to have you on, dude. So basically around one with 10 rounds of Rhino is we would love to hear the background story. Like what's the origin story about how you first got involved in the crazy world of mixed martial arts, dude. Man, um, I've pretty much been in like some type of martial arts my whole life. I was in Taekwondo as a kid. My mom, she would take me to... Uh, different tournaments, and I would go all, all around Texas and winning tournaments. I had like a room full of trophies. Uh, but I got out of high school, got a little fat, so I was like, I need to start working out. 
I went to a local gym and uh, it was an MMA gym and I got tapped. I was at that time I was like, you know, I was lifting weights heavily and I got tapped by a 16 year old surfer kid about 120 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and I really didn't even get tapped. I was uh, I'm pretty sure I was in an arm bar and I was just yelling because I was didn't know why this guy was on my arm and I could I was just trying to slam him and I couldn't get him off and after that I was like okay this is what I'm doing and never stopped doing it that was in 2007 and uh, mm-hmm. since then I've been you know just really dedicated to the sport to every aspect of the as- aspect of the sport and just trying to better myself in every way of it Oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. That's awesome. So, like I mentioned a little bit in the intro, uh, LFA 113 is July 30th, just a, just a couple weeks away. You're fighting for the vacant LFA heavyweight title fight. How's training been going, man? How you feeling? Feels feel good, man. Um, you know, uh, five rounds is no joke. You right. know, it's, um, it's for a heavyweight. I see people, I see heavyweights in the UFC that gas out and sit in the second round. So. Sure. It's a lot of strength conditioning, cardio, uh, just putting the work in. Uh, my guy that I'm going against, he's a wrestler, so uh, making sure I get those, make sure I have that mat long. I, I can go five rounds in wrestling and, and still you know, be able to knock him out in the fifth round. But hopefully, I'm not looking to go to the fifth round. I don't get paid by the round. I get right, paid. right. Not looking for it to go, but if it does go, we're ready. You know, I have uh, my head coach, Josh Lanier. He's out of Elite MMA in Houston. Um, he helped me out. He's actually worked with me for the last three years on my wrestling, four years on my wrestling, uh, along with uh, um, Stephen Wright. He's worked on my striking, my MMA game. And, you know, we're ready to come back, come in and get that belt. Hell yeah, dude. So that perfectly transitioned into my next question, Vernon. There, your opponent's name is Thomas Peterson. Uh, I don't know much about him other than you're right. Like, like you said, he's a, he's a wrestler. He's a grappler. What besides grappling does he bring skill set wise you're going to have to be ready for? I think it's a mindset. You know, um, he is undefeated. And, you know, I remember when I was an amateur uh, and then you feel like you're under, you're just, you, you are invincible. You can't right. beat you know? So that's the hardest. I think that's the greatest weapon he has is he's going in thinking that, you know, he's Thanos. So, he's, <laughs> he's like, you know, he's, he's indestructible, indestructible. And, and that, that works for him and it doesn't work. And the fact that once he realized he it's not going to be as easy as his last opponents, I can see him breaking later on in the round. So sure. um, just just knowing that you know that mindset's coming. Plus, on top of that, that grinding aspect, that grinding mindset of a wrestler, a collegiate wrestler. I mean, that he's I'm sure he's a really tough guy. So it's going to be a fun fight. You know, I'm looking to break him and take his soul, and that's what I do in there. Hell yeah, dude. So the nickname Big E, where does that come from, and who who gave that to you? 
Actually, it's a weird story. Uh, we like those on this show, bro. Let us have it. <laughs> I uh, when I first started like going to the gym when I got tapped by that sixteen year old kid, the surfer um, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Way. Well, his nickname is Grasshopper, and uh, Brandon, he, he still trains, he's still a beast, we still spar, like, we still uh, grapple, he's still, he's a good, good dude, but we've been at it the same, around the same time, but he hasn't fought or anything, but he's like crazy on the ground, but uh, pretty much, I, uh, one of the guys I was training with, the name was Kel Grady, he, uh, he told me, he was also a fighter in Waco, and he said I looked like a fighter off of a video game named Big E, so I was like, cool, whatever, and people around the gym started calling me Big E, well, like, six months later, I had my first amateur fight, and I was thinking about, at that time, you know, nicknames was a big thing in MMA, and I was like, I was brainstorming on what I wanted people to call me. So I was like, call this is my, I don't know what name I came up with. It was some crazy name. And I was just pretty much saying, you know, this is going to be my name. I want everybody to call me this. You know, they called me. They That's what, like, when they, the ring announcer, they used that name. And uh, after I won the fight, everybody was chanting Big E. So I was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that even fits, but now, I mean, that's just, I am Big E, you know? For so, sure. I don't pick the, I realize I don't pick, I don't pick my own nicknames, other people. Right, do. right. <laughs> it's got to be organic. It's got to come from somebody else. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. dude, you're eight and four overall in your pro career, eight and two in your last 10. You got to be feeling confident that you're going to go and get this belt, which we absolutely think you're going to on July 30th. Do you think after you do, are, are you are you more comfortable staying in the LFA for a title defense or two? Or if you get that call from the UFC or Bellator or the PFL, are you making that jump? Oh, I will make the jump. But, you know, as a fighter, um, this, this, this sport is kind of weird. You know, like when you think you should get the call, you don't get the call when you you don't think you should get the call. You get the call. It's kind of like you got to be at the right place at the right time. Um, I'm not thinking about it, really. Okay. I can't. Because it will break, you know, it, it breaks people, you know, thinking that you're going to get in the UFC or, or these top promotions after a big win. I'm just thinking about this fight. Like, I'm I'm taking one, one fight at a time. I've been in this game for a while. I realized that, you know, I can't control that part of the game. I can only just do I can just only perform when I have to perform. And uh, I'm just going to take this fight, win the belt, and then whatever comes after that, we'll figure out what we're going to do after that. But it's, it's, it's you'll wreck your brain trying to figure out what's the next step, you know? Now, you're certainly right in that. That is the absolute right mindset to have. It's just that I know from watching, because I've watched the LFA for forever, dude, back when it was on Access TV. Like, that was a definite Friday night staple. If you look back, everybody pretty much who wins a belt in the LFA gets the shot at the next level, whatever the next level means, you know? So cool. I just feel pretty confident that you, in researching you for this interview, I feel pretty confident you're going to go ahead and get that strap, and then we're going to see Big E in the even brighter lights of one of the three major uh, organizations after that. So, dude, you've been a pro for like 11 years now. What do you attribute your longevity to? Because, yeah, some guys seem to 
fade in and fade out, you know, after about three or four years, and other dudes seem to last a long time. You're clearly someone who's shown a real uh, propensity for durability. So what do you attribute that to? Do you think diet, exercise, rest? What do you think your your key to success is in that regard? Um, man, I've uh, after I fought for the LFC heavyweight title, I believe it was 2014. And right after that, I retired. I was out for four years. So, you know, the reason why is because fights, fight camps suck. You yeah, know? it does. It's, lot out of you they take a lot of money if you don't have the right sponsors they just drain you when you have a family you know you're taking away from your family hoping you're gonna get a good check but you get half of what you were expecting um i had some sponsors flake out on me i had you know some issues with uh my injuries things like that and i took four years off because i was it was almost like a bad breakup with MMA and the martial arts. I didn't really do it. I, all I did, I did coach. I went into coaching and coached a lot of my friends and went to their fights, cornered some fighters. But as far as training, I got a little overweight. <laughs> I was just kind of <laughs> And uh, uh, my longevity came from, you know, I went through the police academy. So, one, it's a lot of answers to that question. Like, I've loved martial arts. I, I was a uh, kung fu flick. I loved kung fu flicks as a kid. Martial arts movies. I watched Best of the Best the other day, by the way. Oh, like, sweet. I remember the second one better. Best of the Best too. I was more of a fan of with uh, where they fought the where they fought the South Korean team. That's the second one, isn't it? First one. Oh, okay. The one where Tommy wants to wants to avenge his brother. But he like doesn't, and James Earl Jones is their coach. Is that two or is that the first one? The first one. Okay, well I loved that one. Whatever, which on that one, that was awesome. Second one was like underground fighting, like MMA. Oh, okay, so yeah, definitely then just best of the past. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I love martial arts. I, I love it to death. You know, I'm, I'm a martial artist. I, um, my wife. She, at that time when I retired, she was like, you need to get back in the gym. You know, you, you, you are depressed. You know, it's just a part of who I am. I am martial arts. So uh, when I'm like 75 years old, I'm going to be competing in some aspect. Maybe it's, you know, in a jiu-jitsu tournament or whatever. But my, I had a friend of mine the other day. He told me, you're the most persistent, most I've ever seen. I just I don't know I, I have no quit I just love doing it sure. um, I think the part of who I am like it's not something it's not a hobby it's just something I'm gonna do probably as long as I can do it so um, I like fighting I like the look of a fighter's face when you break them um, <laughs> and it's just it's just part of who I am Oh, amazing, dude. So we're going to move away from training and MMA questions right now, dude. So our last three are have, have really nothing to do with MMA. It's just kind of about life. So just kind of tell us, like, away from the cage, away from training, away from all things martial arts. What are some things you like to do, man? Are you an outdoorsman? Are you a gamer? What are some things that Big E likes to do in his downtime that don't involve fighting? Um, hang out with my kids, my wife. Um, watching movies, 
Um, people don't know this about me, but I'm really big into chess. I was in, oh, on the cool. chess team. Yeah. So I'm a nerd in that aspect. I like sci-fi. Uh, I like, you know, outdoor stuff. I like cooking. I used to have a... Uh, uh, I had had a uh, catering business at one point when I was retired. Really? Uh, yeah. So I love watching, you know, Food Network and figuring out what to cook for my wife or, or my family. Uh, pretty chill out. Like, I, if anybody saw me, uh, other than my size, uh, as far as my hobby, <coughs> I really think I because it's pretty docile. It's not like. I don't do a lot of extreme sports. I don't like really like heights. <laughs> I don't. I want to hunt more, but I, I don't hunt really. Um, uh, every once in a while, I'll go fishing, but for the most part, I'm pretty just like chill. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't do anything much extreme. It's more just it's two two different worlds. Right. You know? um, I'm a police officer, so I guess that's also that's pretty extreme. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, man, I'm just you know when I have my downtown, I, I love my downtown. I like to just chill out. You know? Sure, dude. I, I absolutely at this point, I, I'm pretty sure you and I would be for real friends when we lived if we lived near each other because um, I'm six one two eighty, right? Former uh, pro fighter. We're around the same age. I used to work in the criminal justice field. I love the Food Network. This is this is like listening to uh, an interview with. I'm like, dude, I love this guy. This is my time. <laughs> so we uh we got we got your out of the cage activities now, dude. Now we talked about food a little bit, but round nine with combat sports with rhinos, ten rounds with rhino is always the same for every fighter, dude. We love to hear about. We love to know. You've already won the fight, whatever fight it is, you know. You've won your fight. Camp is over. It's time to just chill, relax. You're going out with your family. You're going out with your friends. What are you going to really indulge in food-wise, and where are you getting it from? I know Houston and the surrounding areas have some of the best eateries in the world, but what is Big E going for for his post-fight celebration meal? Tacos, man. I mean, oh, tacos. yeah. I'm going to get the most dirtiest food truck I've seen. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go to no like, fancy restaurant. I'm looking for a food truck with the wheels uh, in, in fl- deflated. Like, so it's a permanent spot. There's some crime happening around that area. Right. And I want some really, really hot like salsa on it. And yeah, that's in a, in a cold beer and that's it. That's the meal right there. Hell yeah, dude. You know, that's funny is that, uh, another, another Texan, big man, big puncher, Ike Villanueva I had on a, a few weeks ago. He said the exact same thing. He's like, man, he's like, you know, he's in, he's in Texas as well. He's like, man, it's, it's tacos and a beer all day. And like, yeah. I literally went out the next day and I had to go to find a food truck and get some tacos and a beer because it sounded so perfect. So Vernon, you have you have careened your way to the tenth round, and this one, my friend, is the easiest of them all. Just let the people know your social, so we as fans can kind of follow you along in your career and kind of keep tabs on you moving forward. So, just share your social media and socials with us, dude. 
Yeah, it's Vernon Biggie Lewis everywhere. Uh, you know, um, so if you Instagram Vernon Biggie Lewis, you can find uh, my fan page Vernon Biggie Lewis. Also, my personal page. I don't really add many people on my personal page, but Vernon Lewis, uh, you might can sneak through. Um, we got you know everything else. Vernon Biggie Lewis. I try, I try to keep it simple. Sure, uh, sure. So Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, everything awesome. Lewis. Dude, that's uh, perfect. Can I shout out my sponsors? Oh, of course you can, man. Have at it. Yeah. Um, Backyard Bar and Grill in Waco, Texas. Uh, Hecho in Waco in Waco, Texas. Uh, uh, G2 CBD in Waco, Texas. Five Star Nutrition, Waco, Texas. Uh, J Pedal, Waco, Texas. Rock Ready Printing and Designs, Waco, Texas. Um, Omega Delta Phi Fort Worth and my gyms, War Room in Fort Worth, Elite MMA in Houston, and Select Jiu Jitsu in Waco, Texas. Hell yeah, dude. That was awesome. So, Vernon, again, we appreciate it so much, my friend. We are all going to be rooting for you and tuning into UFC Fight Pass on July the 30th to watch you win that belt for the LFA. We are so stoked for that, dude. And once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. This is Vernon Big E. Lewis, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Very cool interview with Vernon, man. I, I have seen him fight one time before, um, but now that you know I've gotten to know him a little bit and I researched a bunch of his fights, I am so excited for his title fight for the LFA on July 30th, man. I hope everybody checks it out on UFC Fight Pass. So I want to give a shout-out and our outro to our dear homies who participated in the forum this week, to Ty Fly Guy, to our girl APB, you can't be a wuss and have a puss, to the homie Rage of Sweet Potato, to to my boy Brian from the Holman Sale. To my dudes, Jim Asoon, Juice, and D-Crons for the voice questions. Thank you so much, my friends. Some other people in the Rhino Gang. I want to give a shout-out to, Ob, of course, my friends, Pokey Mama, Ashley from the Silly Little Pod, our girl from Sweden, Brat. Ms. Fight Diva, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, my boxing broski, all the homies of the Rhino Gang GC, gang gang, the ladies of the PRG, I, I appreciate you guys so much, my homie Mike Morgan, give me the crew, give me the crew, from the Shots Fired and the Wocast, uh, my underdog MMA fam, the homie Cyrus King, of course, to my Triple D, to Drea, D Reigns, Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design, D Reigns, the best engineer of the biz, Drea, the future player, and the queen of the drop of the night. Thank you guys so much for being the backbone of this operation. Be kind this week, dude. Practice self-care. Call a friend or family member you haven't talked to in a long time. As always, have a good week. And for ever black lives matter and we will see you next week Kate